This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. This one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett. He does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's, it's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he there ties the game. Creates and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win. The Yankees win. All right. Well, we are back. We are back. Baseball season is upon us, man. And it was a good start, right? It it was a very solid start for the Yankees. And we're going to get into that. So, welcome to the show. Welcome to BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now, too. Yankees every series, Knicks every game, MMA on the weekends. Um, again, obviously, 354 here. Today, we are diving into the Yankees opening series. But we do have a lot other things coming up on the show as well. Um, we're going to dive into the uh, UFC 273 card which just happened this past weekend. As I am recording, it's Monday morning. Um, We are also going to pretty soon come out with an episode. We're going to drop an episode about the Knicks. Their season just finished up. I know we kind of skipped the last few podcasts about the Knicks games. And it was a wonderful, listen, it was a bad season for them, but it was a wonderful way to wrap it up. The youth getting their burn and really producing. And uh, we'll talk about all that drama and all that fun stuff and everything. Um, Again, in the coming episodes, we will drop some UFC content as well as Knicks. Um, And uh, as for the UFC 273 recap, we'll probably have a guest on, at least one guest, I would say, uh, sometime by next weekend. But um, welcome to 354. Again, I am your host, RJ Carbone, and we're talking Yankees in this one. Good to be back. I haven't done a, a Yankees series podcast since, like... The middle slash end of last year before I like took a two month break. And we're back. Um, if you are new here to the show, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can find BD4, <clears throat> excuse me, you can find BD4 on many platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. You know, watch us on any of those or listen to us on any of those. Uh, it's available for, for watch on uh, YouTube and Spotify. Uh, if you're listening, try to listen to us on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, we are currently a five-star podcast and would like to keep it that way. <clears throat> so, with that out of the way, um, also, if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at r.j.carbone. And you can find me on Instagram at robjcarbone the handle at Rob J. Carbone. Um, so yeah, let's get to it. Let's dive into this. Let's not waste any further of your time. We will head to our first break. When we get back, I want to talk Yankees. I want to get into this opening series, break it down, and hopefully we can get this episode out, you know, before the next series begins, which I'm expecting we can get it out by like, 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock the latest. So let's get to it. 
let's head to our first break real quickly. We'll get back and then we'll start this thing up. Stay with us. Hey guys, so I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way we can help the channel grow and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to episode 354. Maybe you're watching episode 354 of the show. So the Yankees opened up this weekend. And man, it is just so good to have baseball back. First of all, we had the lockout. We had a pretty dull, boring offseason after that. You know, so that all happened, you know, after the Yankees get bitched around in the wild card game. And so it's just good to have baseball back and it's good to get off to a decent start right two out of three is not bad to open up the season I feel like we usually get off to a slow start Uh, I know last year we lost opening day but I always feel like the month of April we're always like around 500 give or take a few games which could still very well happen but getting off to a two out of three start at home against the Red Sox is a nice feeling um and yeah, so before we even get into the game recaps, obviously this, yeah, I guess we'll touch on it right now, get it out of the way. Before the game on Friday, was it? By the way, it was nice to not have a, an off day in between opening day and the second game because of that rain, that rain out that we had on Thursday. So it was good to keep the momentum going. I always hated that extra off day, but it, it, we used it. Um, So it was nice to have three consecutive games to open up the year. So before the game on Friday, it was official that the Yankees could not reach an extension with Judge before his deadline. Um, And, you know, I don't want to get too deep into this. I thought it was a very, 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 for very fair offer for the Yankees. By the Yankees, I think what was it, seven years extension um, of $233 million. I understand that Aaron Judge has every right to decline that and look for more, whether that be the money, the dollars and cents, or the years. But he also should be a little bit realistic here. I mean, listen, Yankees fans are upset right now with Judge because, you know, he was 
saying how he wanted to be a Yankee for life, right? And But that's why I always, like, I don't pay attention to that shit. That's why I always say none of that matters. Talk is cheap. No, I, I wouldn't even say talk is cheap. I would say talk is not cheap, but rather 100% meaningless. Talk to me holds zero weight, um, especially in New York City. This guy, like many modern athletes, so I'm not blaming him and getting mad at him, doesn't care for loyalty over money. It's always going to come down to money and wanting more years, sure, but that also means he probably wants the same amount. I mean, they offered you a ton of money. They offered you seven years. You're you're, you're 30 years old, pal. You're going to be 31... You're going to be 31 next year when that new contract begins. Apparently, he wants nine years on that extension. This is a guy who's not only turning 31, but he's never stayed healthy for two consecutive years yet, right? I believe I I heard somewhere, I think on WFAN this morning, it was Boomer who said that Aaron Judge has missed 156 games since 2017. You got to be a little realistic. Um, I don't know how this is going to go down. I don't know if they're actually going to follow that judge, uh, that that judge deadline that he said. You know, no negotiations during the season. But, but like, I don't know. Does he have some leverage here? Does he eventually get the Yankees to? What do you call it? To like, to give in? I mean, they got the judges' chambers out there in right field, which was the stupidest thing to do. Especially during his rook, wasn't that during his rookie season? That was before the second half slump. <laughs> so right away they put a judge's chambers in there. He's this big ticket, right? He's a jersey seller, revenue maker, the franchise guy. You gotta feel like he's gonna have that leverage. And um, you know, now they gotta do this whole arbitration bullshit, which is just, you hope it doesn't become a, a Batances thing where they're, you know, outright saying pretty much how bad he is. Um, but, you know, it could be tough on Judge. Going through a season like this could motivate you. You see guys go off in a contract year all the time. But it could also, for a nice guy like Judge, he doesn't seem like he's the guy who plays with an edge. It could also bother you. It could also weigh on your mind. Where am I going to play next year? Where will I be living? Um, the media is going to be asking questions like this all the time. The fans, and I was at Game Three last night, will be on your ass this year, especially because you signed that you you declined that three hundred two hundred thirty three million dollar contract. They're going to be on your ass. You're going to have even more expectations now. So it could definitely harm him. But um, yeah, and then the Yankees go and hold a presser about this an hour before opening day uh, starts, which was interesting. Pretty much trying to tell Yankees fans, hey, we tried, but Judge wouldn't give in. It was odd. Um, but this is one of the rare times where I do, uh, I reason with the organization more than the player here. Because again, $233 million, seven years for a guy who's going to be 31 when this contract begins, that is more than fair. Anyway, anyway, let's start on a positive. It was uh, quite the return for the Yankees. Uh, 
with an opening day walk-off win. Their first opening day walk-off victory since 1957. Uh, thanks to Josh Donaldson, who had an 11th inning single up the middle to bring home, I think it was Condor Falefa. And the Yankees won that game in extras 6-5 to against the Red Sox. Didn't get off to a great start. Very interesting start. You had Garrett Cole yelling. Yelling at Billy Crystal. I I don't know. Uh, I mean, then he has the audacity. First of all, like, opening day, this is what happens. If you're Garrett Cole, you have to realize this. Like, you're the ace of the staff. You're the franchise's guy. So you have to know you're going to be pitching on all those ceremonial games. In opening day, how many how many opening day games has Cole pitched before? He's pitched a few. He's got a, like this happens every opening day. You shouldn't even have to be a pitcher on opening day to know that this shit happens. Like if you're Cortez, you know this happens. If you are Jordan Montgomery, you know this happens. Opening day starts a little bit later minutes-wise than the rest of of the games. Right, so it's not going to be a 7.05 start, but it'll probably be like a 7.10 start specifically. And Gary Cole is throwing a fit. He's screaming out to the mound of Billy Crystal, who's throwing the first pitch. Like Billy Crystal has anything to do with it. Billy Crystal's just doing what he was told to do. And then Gary Cole has the audacity in the press conference after the game on Friday to use that in saying it was an unforeseen challenge. Talking about, oh, you know, it was a four-minute delay. Poor me. That's my excuse. I mean, what a what a baby. What a cowardly excuse. I thought we were getting this when we traded for the guy. And I'm not saying he's a bum. I'm not saying I'm out on him. But it is a little cowardly. I thought we were getting this no-nonsense robot in Garrett Cole. Who was just going to do his job and be a madman who shuts down lineups and doesn't make excuses. But man, I mean, when you combine the whole spider tack fiasco interview last year, now you're looking at this, and you know, on top of that, he's getting bitched around by the Red Sox every time he faces them now. I don't know. And Yes was trying so hard, especially Cone, to really make an excuse for why uh, Gary Cole wasn't sharp to start this game. But he looked bad. Bottom line, he was leaving fastballs over the heart of the plate. So I'm not going to blame the spring training being short. I'm not going to blame Billy Crystal. I'm not going to blame anything. I'm going to blame Garrett Cole not doing his job as an ace. Um, He left fastballs over the heart of the plate. Devers had a two-run shot in the first inning. Martinez then followed up with an RBI double to bring bring somebody home. Um, And just like that, it's 3-0 Red Sox after the top of the first inning. Now, I guess you could say Garrett Cole finished off better. The The next three innings, he didn't allow a run to cross. He finished by going four innings, four hits, three runs, um, a walk, a hit-by-pitch, three strikeouts, and 68 pitches were thrown. The velo was there, but the fastball command was off. Like I said, um, the first batter of the game he faced, Kike Hernandez, Cole walks him on four consecutive fastballs out the zone. That wasn't good. Then he leaves the one over the plate to Devers. Same thing to JD. Um, he hits Vasquez in the second inning with the fastball. 
so he didn't have his usual command and control. And listen, again, I, I've said it before. I said it right after his wild card dud last year. He's got some work to do as a Yankee. Um, he has not proven himself yet. I love his energy, the intensity. I love that he's kind of a hothead. But if you're not going to pitch like a legitimate number one superstar ace as you're hyped up to be, then he's nowhere off the hook or even progressing his way to being off the hook, in my opinion. Uh, so if you're Garrett Cole right now, you just need to... He's not a good talker. <laughs> Sorry. He needs to stop talking, okay? At this point, shut up and pitch. I might get a shirt that says shut up and pitch. There's got to be one out there. Um, but yeah, just... just it's the Billy Crystal thing. It's like you. It's like a. It's like those satire websites. Like you know how I sometimes bring up the Babylon Bee. It's like a quote you would see on the Babylon Bee. You know, blaming Billy Crystal. You know, my my, my buddy my uh ugh, my buddy Greg from Yankee Crazy Podcast. He um told me about this satire Yankees website. It's called the NY Short Post, Short Porch Posts or something. It's like an NY Post satire site kind of like the Babylon Bee, but for the Yankees. And it's something you would see them post. It was nuts. He's blaming Billy Crystal. He, he outright blamed. He didn't mention his name, but if you watch the post-game interview, it's embarrassing. On a positive, uh, the Yankees were at least able to win a game where their ace, Garrett Cole, did not pitch well. And the bullpen, I thought, was an excellent part of that game. Chad Green, Clay Holmes, uh, Miguel Castro, Johnny Lasagna, Wandy Peralta, Araldis Chapman, and uh, Michael King. All great. Uh, funny because I was complaining about you know the Yankees carrying 16 arms prior to the game. And they ended up using half of that <laughs> already. Uh, but the bullpen goes seven innings, two runs, one earned. Eight strikeouts and two walks. Clay Holmes was the only one who wasn't great statistically, but most of that sixth inning were, you know, he generated a lot of ground balls. I think I'm going to like this guy Castro. I've always liked Castro. He's a lanky guy with high velo. Um, just the, you know, the command and control issues are going to be something to look out for, you know, especially if they do use him in high leverage situations. That might be a bit risky. You know, but he was good. Lasagna was good. Peralta came out the gate throwing 91, which was new. He was throwing last night too, but I didn't look at the miles per hour per hour um, because I was sitting in 236, the bleachers in right field and left field, and they don't have the MPH on behind the home plate. You have to look back at the Megatron, whatever you call it, to see. But um, he was good in game one. Chapman looked like he was going to pull another Chapman to start. He throws an air mail, and then he has a couple of 94-mile-an-hour fastballs. But then he finds it. He found the zone. He found the velocity, and he was good. He was also good in game two. And I think Michael King was very key in this first game. I think two excellent innings, one unearned run. He came out big in the 11th with a 1-2-3 versus the middle to back end of the Red Sox order. 
Um, but credit to him because you know he's the one who has to unfortunately deal with the uh, the fake baseball nonsense with a you know a ghost runner on second base to start the extra innings, and that that whole thing is just ridiculous to me. It's fake baseball, not real, not authentic. It takes away, it gives an an unfair advantage to the hitters for some reason. Why do the pitchers have? To, I don't know. I'm just not for it. I thought they were going to take that away. Apparently, we like it. Um, it's like video game shit, bro. The bats were were good. Uh, first off, Donaldson. Big reason the Yankees got Donaldson obviously is his edge, that intensity, his gamer mentality, and he showed that rounding the first uh, rounding first base after the walk off. Right, rounds the bases. He's fist pumping. He's screaming, showing a lot of fire. Uh, but he was productive in the opener. He goes two for six. I think him and Judge, the only other Yankee uh, with two hits. So, yeah, we did okay. Did all right against Nathan Evaldi, who usually does well against us. He goes five innings, three runs, so we did fair on him. Got to their pen in, in, in some spots. right? All but one Yankee, I think, who received the plate appearance, either drove in a run or got on base. So everybody was productive. So despite, you know, the very stereotypical Yankee box score, because on paper they had 15 strikeouts, uh, Gallo was Gallo, I hate him and Hicks together, uh, the Yankees batted three, uh, 231 in 39 at-bats, and they were just 1 for 8 in scoring position. Despite all that, I did like some of the at-bats at the end there, right? Uh, first, you had DJ LeMayhew going to right field against former Yankee prospect Chase Whitlock. He puts the bat on the ball behind in the count, two strikes, going to right center for the game-tying home run in the eighth. Then you had Gallo, who I will even give credit to as bad as he's been. He moves the runners into scoring position during the 10th with a chopper to second base. Then you get a couple of at-bats later. Glaber Torres gets his first appearance. He pinch hits, gets a sacrifice fly, puts the bat on the ball, and he drives that run in. Which is also, you know, do making that pinch hit move in the extra inning there in game one, I don't know if that's something the Yankees do in the past. So that was a good sign. And then obviously again, Donaldson coming through with a single up the middle in the end. So they, they, they did make better contact bring a better approach in the last few innings of the game when it mattered. So that's the positive. I will give credit there. I just hope that it becomes more of a consistent thing during the course of the season here because we did get rid of strikeout-prone guys like Gary Voigt, and we did add in contact bats like Rizzo, Falefa, and even Donaldson, who can make a fair amount of contact despite his rough strikeout outing in Game 3, which we'll touch on in a second. Um... <clears throat> yeah, the defense was okay, too. I, I mean, Gallo made a mistake. IKF, some slight misplays, which we'll get to them in a sec also. But other than that, I guess it was fine. The catchers were great. That's going to be such a difference maker, too. Um, there's this stat I saw after the first game, which was hilarious. I think uh, Greg from Yankee Crazy Podcast sent me a stat, which it was also on the Yes Telecast. It was like some analytics. Uh, defensive runs saved by framing or some shit like that. And it had Sanchez at minus 16, which I'm pretty sure the average is zero. And then the Yankee 
catchers, all positive. <laughs> Just like, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So I'm going to like that. I'm going to like that we're going defense heavy at the backstop position, which is what you should be doing. Um, and, you know, I also, of course, saw that Gary Sanchez bat flip on the pop out to end the game on Friday. He did get a get a grand slam last night, so I'll give him credit there. But, um, yeah, I think I'm going to like, I don't know, I'm high on Higgy for some reason. I think he can give a little more offense than than we think. Maybe I'm just, you know, in euphoria mode right now because the season's underway. Um, but we'll see what he does. Rortved's not healthy yet, but we got Trevino, who kind of gives me Jose Molina vibes. I was mentioning that to my cousin last night. Um, but game one goes the Yankees way again, 6-5 after 11 innings. And we will talk about game two as soon as we get back from break. Um, stay with us. We'll be right back. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, welcome back to the show. I am your host, RJ Carbone. You're listening to episode 354 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now, too. Um... Let's get to it. Let's talk about game two because uh, this was also a fun one. I didn't, unfortunately, I was at an, a family event, so I didn't really get to see much of game two. Um, but the Yankees did take it four to two in uh, in nine innings. Severino obviously made his return uh, going up against Nick Pavetta for the Sox. Uh, early on, you know, Verdugo takes Sevy deep, make it two nothing in the second inning, I think it was. Um... But then Rizzo answers back. He goes yard. Excuse me. And ties the game in the fourth inning. Seve ends up going three innings pitched. Two earned runs. Five strikeouts. One home run allowed. And throws 65 pitches. He was showing that fire and desire too. You know, he always pumps his fists and screams after a strikeout. So I like to see that. Uh, But the stuff looked pretty sharp to me. You know, the velocity averaged about 98. Uh, they said he touched 100 one or two times. The slider, cutter, whatever you want to call it, looked pretty sharp. I thought the changeup was actually pretty decent. Um, I, I saw like the condensed recap on YouTube. Um, you know, just made a couple of mistakes. He left the fastball up in the zone for the home run, um, and then you know he left the slider. It was low, but it was maybe not as low as it should have been to uh, to Trevor Story, who knocked the double off him. Story didn't make much noise in this series, um, but the double didn't come back to be a problem. And yeah, all in all, I liked, you know, for a first start in, since 2019, 
I liked what I saw from Severino. Um, hopefully, they can get him to pretty soon become a five to six inning pitcher at the very least. I'm not expecting much this year from Sevy. Go out there, give you five or six consistently, win you maybe 14 games. That'd be nice. Um, anyway, you know, I think at the bottom of the sixth, Stanton goes yard. It's four to two Yankees, and it's pretty much game from there because the Yankee pen shuts it down. In the uh, the final six innings, they pitched no-hit baseball. So, Marnaccio made his debut. Kid from Tom's River. Italian kid from Tom's River. That's awesome. Talking to my uncle about him because I have family in Tom's River or from Tom's River. Um, Castro was used again, and he looked pretty good. The Yankee Bats, uh, overall, just five strikeouts, which was nice to see in Game 2. Three walks, and they were one for two with runners in scoring position. Only four for 27 overall, <laughs> so that wasn't great. Um, can't imagine that's very good at all. I don't know the math there, but it's not good. Um, but it is good to see the lineup show some resilience and make that comeback in both games. They were down in both of these first two games and they made a comeback. So there's there's you know, Aaron Hicks was talking about on RC two R two C two that the Yankees want to show some FU this year. And I think they showed a little bit of that. You can see they have some more competitive edge, at least in these first couple of games. Maybe it's because it's the Red Sox and they play up against the Red Sox. I don't know. But it was nice to see. Um and, and that was pretty much game two. Again, I don't have too many thoughts on game two because I did not see the actual full game. But good to start off 2-0 at the time. And then we were going for the sweep on uh, on Sunday yesterday, which, again, I attended this game. It was my first time back at the stadium uh, since pre-COVID. I haven't been there since... I hadn't been there since uh, the corona shit started. So I um I thought it was a, it was a fun game. Unfortunately, the Yankees did lose 4-3. Cannot pick up the sweep. So I want to talk about this game when we get back from break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4, on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the show. You are listening to BD4, episode 354. The Yankees lose game three against the Sox, four to three. They cannot sweep. I really need to start changing my damn luck when showing up to these games. I I went to the 17-2 loss against the Red Sox in the ALDS. I I think I've went like the last four games maybe that I've went to. We've lost all four of them. It's not looking good. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know if we have to start switching sections because we usually sit in the same spot, 236 left field bleachers. But it's not working lately. Um, but also at the same time, and didn't we have a problem with this last year where we can never go that extra mile and get the sweep. We always do enough to be satisfied, to be content, 
you know, you want to win series, take two out of three. That's what you consider a good series and all that. But it's like, damn, sometimes I just want to be a little more dominant and get that sweep. Um, but whatever, you know, this this one, it was Montgomery versus Tanner Houck. Um, early on, it was a very Montgomery-like start, you know, where he struggles in the first inning, starts slow, then finds it later on. Um, J.D. Martinez gets a double. Arroyo with a sack fly. It's 2-0 Boston after one. Montgomery gets hit in the shin or the foot um, in the first inning. Stays in the game, so got to give credit to him there. Stanton gets the RBI single in the third inning to cut that deficit in half. It's 2-1. to one. Fourth inning, we get the sack fly from Boston's side. Forget who it was. Makes it 3-1. to one. Rizzo comes through in the bottom of the fourth. And this was a big two-run single on a high fastball to left field. Ties the game up. In the sixth inning, it's kind of the backbreaker. Bobby Dalbeck, first baseman for Boston, Shoots one to right center field for a home run. And it's 4-3 Boston. The Yankees from there, uh, or they go scoreless in the final five innings of this game. So the bats in this one were pretty bad. Pretty pitiful. So many missed opportunities with men on base. Now, you know, this is kind of, you know, how, how we were talking about in game one, the stats looked bad, but the way they played at least to end the game was pretty well. In this one, the stats kind of looked good like the Yankees were 11 for 36 which they batted 306 they were 3 for 11 which is 273 in scoring position and they only had nine strikeouts overall but despite that all that 11 hits they get three measly runs out of it because they could not cash in much or at all many times you know in the first inning it started Rizzo gets a walk Judge singles Gallo eventually gets a walk to load the bases with a couple of outs. Torres flies out to Verdugo. In the second inning, Aaron Hicks leads off with a single. That was wasted. I think Donaldson strikes out to end the inning looking. Third inning comes. We load the bases with nobody out, and we only get one run from that. Big culprit there, Aaron Hicks. He hits into a double play. Fourth inning, we hit into another double play after Rizzo singles. I think Judge grounds into it this time. The fifth inning comes. Cutter Crawford, who pitches two innings, the fifth and the sixth, gives up four hits, but we score no runs off of them. You know, we strand a Stanton single, a Torres double, with the Hicks pop-up and IKF strikeout swinging to end the inning in the fifth. Six comes, Donaldson singles, and then both Judge and Rizzo go down swinging to end that inning. If you fast-forward a little bit to the eighth inning, you have the Connor Falefa walk we got to find out a consistent nickname for him. I'm like flopping around between IKF, Kiner Falefa, Falefa, Kiner, Kiney. I don't know yet. We'll find something. But he draws a walk in the eighth inning. Then we kind of hit into some tough luck. Some hard hit balls by LeMahieu going to right field by Donaldson lining out. And then you know, that ninth inning was pretty damn egregiously bad. I mean, Judge does put up a spectacular at-bat. Versus Dykeman, I think Barnes is hurt. Um, I think it went to 11 pitches, but he eventually strikes out swinging or foul tip. Then Stanton and Gallo both go down non-competitively. Uh, four pitches each, they go down swinging. It was bad. 
it was one of those things where I feel like we could have had a chance to win this game had DJ received four at freaking bats. Tell you what, man, this shit where we're where a regular is gonna have to sit each night and we do this rotation around the diamond, that's not gonna fly. Like we and we did this to ourselves. The Yankees did this to themselves. It's like they're waiting now for somebody to get hurt so they can actually have a consistent alignment out there. But no way in hell should Aaron Hicks, no way in hell should a healthy Aaron Hicks be receiving more at-bats than DJ LeMayu and even even Joey Gallo. No way in hell. I'm sorry. The Game 2 lineup was the way to go, honestly. DJ was in there. Hicks, I believe, was the one sitting. Torres was that second base. Um... That's the way you got to go. But we'll see. You know, he's he's under contract. You just paid him. He's your best contact hitter by miles. You know, you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt for last year because he played it with a sports hernia. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's you got to find him consistent at-bats. You have to have at least 500 ABs from him at the end of the season. There's no way if he's healthy, he should be sitting at all. He should be a regular every day. Uh, but right now, you know, the bats after that series, I think we're 16th in runs, 14th in average, 10th in OBP, 5th in home runs. So uh, there's still a lot of strikeouts in there, a little bit of runs, but we'll see. You know, the good part of the lineup right now, Anthony Rizzo and Giancarlo Stanton. Um, Rizzo is so solid, man. Like, this this kid, oh, he's a veteran, I shouldn't call him a kid, but he's been so well for this team, man. I mean, I I love him. I've always been a fan of Rizzo. I've been a fan of him since his early days in Chicago. I respect the shit out of him for what he went through. And he's still coming back and being uh, the same player he's always been. He's always been very consistent. Uh, the defense, the home runs in this series, the walks he was drawing, the RBIs, he's already got six. He batted second last night, which I actually like that more than Judge second. I like Rizzo two, Judge three a lot. But yeah, he had a few scoops. Um, and again, as if you're watching the show, you can see the stats on the screen. This series, he goes three for ten, couple of homers, a single in there, six RBIs, also have three walks and a strikeout. Just one strikeout. He's a contact hitter. Those contact lefties I love in Yankee Stadium. The lefties who have some pop, but also contact. That's a guy like Rizzo. And I think if you can have that, stay healthy, 25 to 30 homers. Um, so overall, he slashed 300, 500, 900, giving him an OPS of 1,400 on the uh, after that series. So I love what I'm seeing from him. Giancarlo Stanton, of course, he's raking too. Um, he kills the Red Sox. I think it was before last night. The streak snapped, but he had three hits last night. Uh, it was seven games in a row, six or seven games in a row against the Red Sox with a home run. <laughs> and they were clutch ones too this series. You know, he ties the game with the home run in the first game on opening day, and then he gets the go-ahead home run in the second game. And this guy hits the ball so friggin' hard. Um, I'm not, not that I'm buying into this whole exit velo thing, and I don't want to be you know, looking at exit velo every time someone hits the ball. But it's hard not to be impressed by how hard this motherfucker hits the ball. I, 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 like, even his singles. 
just it's nuts when he puts the bat on the ball and you know keyword when or if it's going he hits it on the right spot it is going i so yeah he he's he's been raking really for a while i would love to see the numbers from like the second half of his season last year up to now because he's raking and i feel like if his name wasn't Giancarlo Stanton, he would be getting more praise from my Yankees fans, right? That stretch of his like first few seasons where he was getting hurt and underachieving for long stretches, that stench I feel like is still there a bit to some of us, at least for now. But I really started to lay off him a little more after the postseason against the Rays. So he's kind of working his way back up to me, and I got to give him credit. Uh, Glaber Torres, he looks better. He does. He looks better. He's putting together some good at-bats. Um, hasn't had a ton of them yet, but the ones he's had, he's bringing a strong approach to the plate. He had the sack fly in game one, shoots it the other way up against the wall last night. Looks like he's got that inside-out swing back. He's running hard out the box. Looks like he's more comfortable at second base, so the defense is not an issue. He turned a nice double play. And I like batting him lower in the order. I would prefer keeping him there at 6-7. You know, because I think mental game is a lot of his struggles, is, is mentally. So keep him there. Keep him there. Let him bat there. Let him do his job from the 6-7 spot. Uh, I just really, I really want him to bounce back, man. I'm a big Glaber fan. Big on him since he was a prospect, number one in baseball for a few years in a row. And um, I just want him to bounce back. It'd be nice to get a nice season from him. Donaldson. Moving on to Donaldson. Uh, hold on. Yeah, see, we were just talking about Stanton. And if you're watching the show, I was supposed to switch to his graphic, which I forgot to do. But Stanton was 5 for 13. Two homers, three singles, four RBIs, five strikeouts. Uh, he slashed 385, 385, 846 with a 1,231 OPS. So sorry for skipping that. But um, moving on, like I said, um, let's find myself again here. <clears throat> uh, where are we? Donaldson. I thought he looked pretty good. So-so, right? He's hitting the ball hard, and the analytics will say that he'll be fine so long as he does that. We'll see. Playing fine at def- uh, at third base. The defense looks okay. Um, Not so good. I guess we can get to the not-so-good. Uh, I think Aaron Hicks is pretty garbage. You can shove your analytics down your throat. I think he's garbage. Um, he's 32 years old. He This is his 10th major league season. So what are we looking at with the analytics? Like, what's the ups? There's no upside here. 32, a 10-year vet. There's no more upside. He's not 28 anymore. Like, when he was first here, he hit 260 and... 20-something homers. It's like telling me Alec Burks of the Knicks is just, is still ascending. Like, like, this is Aaron Hicks. This is who he is. He's going to do this. He's going to hit 220 and below, probably. He's going to get on base, but he's going to be boring to watch because all he does is hunt for walks and occasionally comes through with a, with a home run from the left side of the plate. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big Hicks fan. I've always thought of him as a fourth outfielder, but he should be the one sitting more often than anybody else. I do wish we looked a lot better 
offensively when you consider the Red Sox bullpen is pretty damn bad. Um, they threw 13 innings this series and we only scored one earned run off the Red Sox bullpen. <laughs> so <laughs> we pitched well to them. You know, Devers, J.D., Bogart scared the heck out of me, but we were able to contain their offense. But we could not hit like we should have. Connor, Falefa, and Gallo, I also have to give them criticism because early on, so far, they've been on my shit list, as well as Hicks. You know, Hicks just sucks. That's that. We just talked about him, but IFK came here for defense and some contact hitting, and he's already made some official errors, some non-official errors in each of these games, each of them. Um, He just looks uncomfortable out there. Shortstop looks pretty hesitant. Maybe he's got to adjust to shortstop. He's used to third base, second base, but Jesus. I was shocked when I saw that his defense, um, and if you're into the analytics defensively, at shortstop was not as sharp at as his defense at the other positions. So that's nice. Thanks, Brian. Um, and offensively, he's, again, came here to provide a little bit of contact hitting. Not known for his bat, not a great hitter, but he can bring you contact. And he's got three strikeouts already, and he's one for 11 with a walk. I don't know. Let's go, pal. If you're not going to hit great, that's fine. But play defense, and eventually I would hope that he can at least make contact. Um, Gallo, speaking of contact, <laughs> I can't stand this guy. I'm not sure he's built for this place, man. He's come, you know, we bring him in here for power, um, some defense, a little bit of speed. Well, he got caught on the base paths in one of these games trying to stretch a single into a double. He misplays a ball in left field in game two. He plays a ball incorrectly off the ball. I think it was in game one, which leads to a go-ahead run. And the offense is, you know, he continues to be dreadful to watch offensively. One for ten, already four strikeouts, three walks, no ribbies, no home runs. He's a Nevada boy. He's a Texas boy. Send him back over there. I don't want him. Um, he was getting booed heavily last night. No Yankees fan wants him. Uh, unless you're some analytical loser who, you know, watches games and looks at your spreadsheet on your tablet uh, during the game. <laughs> but, like, if you go to the stadium, you meet actual people, you're around actual Yankees fans, nobody likes this guy. We don't want him here. Um, <laughs> speaking of pitching, which we spoke on not long ago, our relieving core has been nothing short of, of excellence. So I got to give credit there. I do like the way our bullpen is is working right now. We're operating well. 17 and two-thirds innings pitched so far, two earned runs. So guys are executing. It's funny because I made fun of the bullpen at the start of last year. saying you know, I was calling them a group of, of randoms. But, but it's been working. It's been working great. Uh, the sad part is this starting rotation which consists of bigger names, is looking pretty rough right now. You had three innings, or or was it four innings, for Garrett Cole in the first game, three for Severino, three for Montgomery. Now, I will give them all the benefit of the doubt because it's opening series. I'm in a good mood. I'll I'll call it the shortened spring training. I'll call it the first starts for them. I'll blame Billy Crystal with you if you want. Uh, Severino's first start since 2019. Montgomery did get hit with the comebacker. So, you know, you can use all that shit for now. 
But eventually, we cannot keep going like this, like we did last year, where the relievers are going to end up throwing more bullets than our starting rotation is. That cannot be a thing. That's got to change. <laughs> We're going to wrap the show up when we get back from our last break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Bocker blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomber Bocker blog. And there you have it. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to BD4 episode 354. We're going to wrap this up. So overall, good opening series. Um, I heard, again, I was at the stadium for game three, but I heard the K-Rod, or they calling it the K-Rod telecast, went pretty terribly. Very awkward. Very silent. Boring. I heard K talk a lot. A-Rod didn't. I don't know. I heard it, quite, it wasn't quite the Manning telecast. I gotta check it out. But uh, <laughs> I also heard they were miking up some of the players. This might have been during the other, like the normal ESPN telecast. I would hate that as a player. How does one even focus? Like, I don't know, man. 
Maybe during spring training, that's fine. Maybe just do it during the opening series. But I feel like as the season goes on, the games get more important and you start looking at the standings. I would hate that shit. But yeah, good series. Uh, it was nice to beat the to beat the, the the Red Sox to open up. Now we got Toronto for three, um, hosting them. So thankfully, we we can actually play all of our players. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm tired of here. I, I know they got the lineup, and they're even my World Series prediction. So I'm gonna be a little hypocritical here. But like, I I can't stand the hype they're getting. I don't know if they can pitch. Uh, I just I'm just so tired of hearing about the Blue Jays. Enough about the Blue Jays. Please go dominate them. Remind them who they are, who we are. You know, put them back in their spot. This is you're the Blue Jays from Canada. <laughs> go away, just like the Rays will. <laughs> just, I'm I'm tired of hearing about the Jays. Um, let's wrap it up. Let's get to our final segment of the show. Um, let's get to it. Our NYY NYK MMA question of the day to wrap this episode up. So, to wrap this up, our NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day for episode 354 is, how many opening day starts did Andy Pettit make for the Yankees? How many opening day starts did Andy Pettit make for the Yankees? Let me know the answer to this wherever you can reach me, whether that be on Facebook, Instagram, or any one of these platforms that you can comment on to get your where you get the podcast. And if you get it correct, I'll give you a shout-out in the next episode. Um, if you get it incorrect, but you at least attempt to guess the answer, well, I'll let you know what the answer is in the next show as well. So thanks for tuning in. I appreciate everybody who stopped by again. This is the first episode of the season. The Yankees are back. I'm happy that they're back. I'm very excited for this season. Do I think they're going to go and, and win the division and, and finally win number 28? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to root for them. I'm going to root for them like hell. Um, I do think they're better than last year. I think they're slightly better than last year. You know, We'll see how it plays out because a lot of the time it doesn't play out like it does on paper. So that could be good for us. You know, it could be good because I know the AL East is, is getting a lot of hype right now. But, yeah, the Yanks beat the Sox. They take two out of three. Overall, you will take it. The pitching looked good. You just hope to get more length out of the starting rotation. The bats were underwhelming. You hope that they eventually come around. Um, but we found a way to win. And the defense looked, I don't know, fine. You know, Falefa, a couple of mishaps. Gallo, not great. Other than that, the lead, the defense was good. Um, I love Rizzo at first base. Uh, I think Torres, again, looked comfortable out there. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yankee Stadium, it was so nice to be back in the Bronx. You know, I was sitting next to a family last night. It was a couple of, I don't know. It was a, a few women and two two women, and uh, they brought their kid. Like their infant child. It was like a baby. <laughs> to the bleacher section in the Bronx. That's like throwing a kid into a cage of tigers. That's the same exact thing. What are you doing? What are you doing bringing your baby 
to 236. You're in the Bronx. You're surrounded by a a bunch of drunk asshole New Yorkers. And you're bringing your baby to Section 236. That was just amazing to me. I saw that. I was just sitting next to this baby. Yankees-Red Sox opening series in the bleachers section, which is where all the diehard New York fans are, right? We're not these corporate assholes who sit behind home plate. All the diehards sit in 236, and they sit in, in the right field bleachers and the left field bleachers. They brought a kid. I was just shocked by that. But other than that, good series, good win, um, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. I'll see you next time. All right, guys. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.